Hello and welcome back to the Middlemen podcast, taking you from ringside to pitchside. We've got all of the best content and what a month of boxing and football we've got to look back on. Max Snow Abrahams and Max Taylor, as always. And we always talk about Chelsea and Liverpool, so let's start with the Blues. And Chelsea have just lifted a Super Cup, the first time we've won it since it was called the Cup Winners' Cup. So that's how long ago it was in 1998 when we won it for the first time. We've won on the opening day of the Premier League season. And at the moment, we are flying as for Liverpool as well. Beat Norwich City, newly promoted Norwich City, 3-0 at Carrow Road. So both sides have started their Premier League seasons in the best way possible. Both sides have scored three goals, the same scoreline, 3-0 against Palace and 3-0 against Norwich City. But I think, Max, if it's okay, I'd just like to start by saying that it felt amazing to win more silverware with Chelsea and to, to go into the season on that kind of high, like I said, the first Super League, the first Super Cup, sorry, we don't talk about the Super League, the first Super Cup since 1998. And to finally as well, see a team this summer win a penalty shootout. Uh, it was, it, it brought on goosebumps and Tuchel set the team up so nicely with Trevor Chalabar, who I love him. I'll get on to Tre- Trevor Chalabar in a minute, but I, I just love him. Hudson Adoy as well. Marcus Alonso was in the side who, Scored that beautiful free kick against Palace uh, on the weekend. And the 3-4-2-1 worked really well. So I'm just filled with confidence, to be honest. The way Havertz linked up with Hakim Ziyech, who I've said for a long time, big Chelsea future. I remember Mario Malkion describing him as this magician who can see things before others. He's being criticised, but I think he's got one hell of a left foot. As we saw, I'm amazed he never made it into the Dutch team. But listen, I, I can go on about every player from the start of this season. Kepper saving uh, Raul Avion's penalty. It was a moment to remember. So, Max, my question to you is, especially having watched Spurs beat City in the manner they did and looking at Chelsea this season, having just signed Romelu Lukaku back in blue, how dangerous Chelsea? I think we can go on, we can challenge and I don't see any reason why we can't win the Premier League this season. Oh yeah, of course it'd be uh, stupid to make any any solid predictions right now when you look at um, how far teams can go. But let's judge our first impressions, as you said. Uh, both our teams, you know, done the job. They were pretty much expected to do and more. It's always and more when you get a clean sheet and a, and a handful of goals. But you also mentioned the uh, trip up with City against Spurs there as well. And that does make you think, doesn't it? When the, uh, when the reigning uh, defending champions do not start the season against, you know, a Spurs team that are quite joked about right now, to be honest, with the you know controversy and the everything that's going on with Harry Kane. So for them to go and uh, you know go and go and take it to City, go and take it to the champions, that does make you know clubs like our clubs, clubs like Chelsea and Liverpool, look at it and say, oh, hang on, you know if they're not performing like this in times when they need to, because you always need to get the season underway with a good start, and they haven't. So I think. All the uh, all the teams in in the top five, top four uh, from last season will definitely be fancying themselves now. And Chelsea, most definitely, uh, with the with the chirp up from winning the Super Cup as well, they'll definitely be up for it because I feel like they've got all the momentum behind them going into this campaign. I remember what it was like as a Liverpool fan when we won the Super Cup heading into the, into the Premier League season. You just can't wait for it because you know what your team's capable of. And if I'm not mistaken, that was actually the season we won the Premier League as well after yeah. we won the Super Cup. So not to get your hopes up, Noah, but um, yeah, look forward to it, mate. 
massive. And uh, it's a weird tournament as well, because I feel like it's so undervalued and so kind of not underappreciated, but overlooked. How many people do you know that kind of sat there and watched the season, even knew it was happening, even knew it was going on, unless you were a Chelsea or Villarreal fan. So it's, it's weird in that way, because it is a major European tournament. In my view, it's not a tournament, a trophy in my view. And uh, from a Chelsea fan's point of view, just like you said, it fills you with all sorts of optimism. But from a Liverpool fan's point of view, Van Dijk's just signed a new contract. And I think you're still linked with Ismail Assar, who is too good for Watford. And he has re-emerged as a potential Reds transfer target, an unbelievably naturally talented player. And he's by a long way the best of Watford. Just like Chelsea, who play Arsenal on the weekend, you're also facing a mid-table opposition in Burnley. From an outsider's point of view, I think Liverpool are in a pretty good position at the moment. I love it. Every, every time uh, we talk about Arsenal playing <laughs> playing a Premier League match, we've always got to slip in out there a mid-table team. And I'm here for that. We need to continue. They are. That's, that's a pattern that we love, right? But um, yeah, no, I, you are right. Everything's looking up and... Um, it's you know your your opinion on Ismail Assar and what any any Watford players in general is uh, hugely valued because obviously I know how much time uh, you spend watching them and guys if you don't like Noah goes to uh, pretty much well not pretty much all Watford games but a fair few and what seeing players perform on the TV you know what they're about you know you can gauge you know how a player plays but when you watch them live you can tell there's something about them you can see the flair you know. It's more apparent, and when you say that about Saar, that fills me with optimism. Though, and um, you know, we are—I don't know how close we are to signing him, but I know like he's still uh, really rumored with us, and I think that is such a good—he uh, he will be a great player to add to our squad depth. And hopefully, you know, he knows—I know he'd be crucial to the Watford team, as you said. He's probably their best player, but obviously his role won't be as crucial in the Liverpool team. But hopefully, we can sign him because. Uh, rotating him you know I, I think he'll he'll fit perfect into the system and Klopp does that with those type of players you know those uh, those players that have the potential but aren't stars yet he's great at developing them and filling their potential so yeah if, if he can do that then um, then the teams can watch out because I've seen him I've seen what he can do against us you know uh, in that in that game a couple of seasons ago when he, when he beat us I, I know you, you brought it up before we even started recording but Exactly, you know, just goes to show we both know what he's about and I would definitely be excited for us to have him in my team. Yeah, a little bit of history there and what, uh, Watford, of all teams, ending uh, Liverpool's unbeaten run. The season, Watford went down and uh, Liverpool, of course, went on to win the league. They were by far the best team uh, that year. Just quite funny that it was Watford uh, to end the run. But like, way too big for the club he's at and I'm, get, I'm getting at Harry Kane here. You listen to people like Simon Jordan on Talksport who just completely slate him. And a lot of Tottenham fans are very angry with Harry Kane at the moment who had that little debacle where he didn't turn up to training. What have you made of him personally? I think, listen, I understand where he's coming from. He's one of the best players in the Premier League and he's playing for a club that aren't even in a proper European tournament, in my view. So I understand it. But at the same time, if you sign a contract, then you've got to stick to it. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's weird that he's not as well, because, you know, I think we all look at Harry Kane as the professional. <clears throat> he really is that kind of player, isn't he? What he's done and <clears throat> how he's conducted himself in uh, at, at Tottenham, how he's conducted himself at Tottenham in his past few seasons and even in the England scene, you know, we see it there. This man just just reeks professionalism. So for this to happen, I mean, we can't just blame him. we got to 
look at the team as well and, and look at the people that's surrounding him. Um, I know his brother, his agent, Charlie Kane, as well, has been brought into discussion a lot. And as you said, by Simon Jordan and the talk sports. And I think that's only right because when transfer rumours and transfer situations between two clubs and a player get so public, then somebody or a few of those people in that team have done something wrong, you know, because we understand from a PR standpoint, you don't want that those type of stories getting out because journalists will take that for dinner and they have been for the past month or so now, haven't they? So, you know, I think that there hasn't been from, from top to bottom, you know, not just Kane, but like everyone in between there hasn't been a lot of uh, professionalism or even a lot of competence to kind of keep this, keep this rumor or the whole actual, you know, transfer in itself under the boat, under the radar. It's going to be hard to, because uh, in my opinion, you know, Kane, the second best striker in the world. Obviously, he's he's huge. You know, everyone's looking at him. Uh, so if he if he does if he is rumored with a club, everyone's gonna uh, be making stories about it. So it's gonna be hard to keep that, you know, under the radar. But if you've got a good enough team around you, they'll do it, and you know, they'll do enough damage limitation, as much damage limitation as possible. You know, as much as you can with a player like Kane, and I don't think that's been done in this situation, you know, from the outside looking in as a neutral, you know, as a Liverpool fan looking in, it it, it does look a bit messy and uh, I still don't know where it's going. It feels like something new happens every day. Well, it's quite a confusing one in all honesty, but maybe, you know, time will tell in in this next month, might fizzle out, um, but I'm, I'm still really unsure on where he is going. I think it looks like he's staying at Tottenham. Yeah, a great take there. And if he does stay at Tottenham, I wonder whether he'll live to regret it. I think a lot of it has, of course, got to do with Daniel Levy as well. And perhaps Daniel Levy has needs to be a bit more lenient with Harry Kane. Perhaps he's being a bit too greedy with the, the figure that he wants that. What is it? It's 150 million plus, something like that. He wants a lot of money for Harry Kane. And whether Harry Kane is worth that much money, personally, I think, you know, around the 100 million mark for sure. 120 million, why would you turn that down for someone who's clearly not happy at the club, who, who wants to leave? If he does stay at Tottenham, he's not going to be happy. He's not going to, he's not going to be the player he was when he was under Pochettino, when he was as happy as can be or seemingly as happy as can be. So interesting to see what the future looks like for Harry Kane. He's certainly packing a punch, as are uh, our boxers, and a huge month uh, of boxing ahead on the 4th of September. It's fight night at Headingley in Leeds. And I think it's probably the best card of the year. Maurizio Lara, Josh Warrington in the rematch. Katie Taylor's in action. So's Connor Ben, who fights Adrian Granados. So that'd be a great fight, much anticipated. We've also got one of my favourite female boxers, Ebony Bridges, on that card. And it's credit to Eddie Hearn again for organising it. This weekend, just gone. It was once again that man, Eddie, who oversaw proceedings as Josh Boazzi claimed an 11th round knockout win over Rickards Bolotniks. Arguably now on the brink of a world title shot. Eddie Hearns suggested this mouthwatering clash with uh, Russia's WBA super champion, Dimitri Bivol for February 2022. Do you think he's ready to take on a Bivol or a Joe Smith Jr.? Or would someone like Anthony Yard, who... I'm going to speak about it in a bit, or Lyndon Arthur be more appro- appropriate opponents, I suppose, at £175. Well, looking at Bratzi's career so far, and even from his last performance, I think that, um, and I think Eddie uh, gets praise for a lot of his fighters in doing this. And he, I think he's done it perfectly with Bratzi now, who is a former Olympian, a former Olympic medalist. 
Uh, I think he's moved them. He's moved Bratsy along perfectly with with the step ups, with the timing. You know, I think he's he's fought a lot of different styles, fought a lot of different opponents. He's had tough fights against you know not even huge names, but you know tough fights where he's had to adapt and then get the win. You know, they, they haven't all been easy wins for him, uh, and they haven't all been easy opponents. So I think every step of the way gets a little tougher and gets a little bigger for Bratzi and he still manages to overcome it and that's what makes a great fighter but I just don't I just think it's a step a little too big getting him to try and hold that belt uh, as early as February I think you know he's still young and I think Eddie needs to just bide his time be patient with Bratzi know that he's developing well know that he's getting better I think it's a risky scene type of risk where you know you've got your fighter with a lot of amateur pedigree who's been moved along pretty well and you know it's one of those where you think is the step up too big we'll we'll see you know it's in Bratzi's character I know he's he's a warrior um I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of him in and outside the ring and I know you know he lives and breathes the sport and all that's in his mind is is to win the next fight, is to overcome the next opponent with the amount, with all the respect in the world at the same time, and that's that's why I like it. You know, he's he's a he's a just just businessman, you know, real professional. But I'm just I think I think Bivol could be a bit too much for him. I would like to see him in one fight, and as you mentioned there, um, you've got you've got great options. You know, it's it's not like. It's not like he doesn't. He's not. He's short of opponents if he doesn't have a world title. If he doesn't fight for a world title, he's got loads of opponents. The the British light heavyweight scene right now is mouthwatering. It is <laughs> unreal. You've, you know, Callum Johnson that he missed out there as well. Yeah. Um. He's fighting soon, and he's you know he fought uh one of the champions already, Artur Baturbiev, that I think is the best at light heavyweight. That being said, if Canelo doesn't come and just take over the division like he has a, a super middleweight. But yeah, Callum Johnson, you know, he has experience fighting world champions. He's uh, another huge contender there. So I think Bratzi could take, he has the option of, of three of those guys, if not Bivol. And I think that will give him some nice experience for a world title fight. I don't think there's any point rushing him into that. Let him breathe. Let him enjoy his win from the weekend, which is a great win, by the way. Have another one. And then I think he'll be fully prepared. And I think he can take a world title home from that experience that he's got. Yeah, an unbelievable boxer, Josh Bilhatsi, an inspiration, his his journey from the Olympics to where he is now. And I, I think kind of to make the fairy tale come true, it would it would need a world title. And you heard it from Max, the boxing expert, about what he needs to do to get that world title. And uh, whether it's too early or not, it's, it's always fascinating just to sit, sit and listen to Max because uh, his knowledge, his wealth of knowledge is extraordinary. It, it's a great time to be a boxing fan. And in terms of British boxing, again, Anthony Joshua takes an Alexander Usyk at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Let's not forget about uh, that one. And, and something a little bit different for you from Frank Warren in Queensbury. Keep your eyes peeled for the Night of Champions All-British Show at the Utilita Arena in Birmingham. Here's the card. Uh, it's Kakase uh, versus Woodstock for the British Super Featherweight title. Ahmed versus Kadimi, the rematch for the vacant British super flyweight title. And it's Brown versus Maxwell for the British and Commonwealth super, weight tit- uh, super lightweight titles. Plus the return of light heavyweight superstar Anthony Yard, who we mentioned in that talk there with Boatzi. 
uh, Stokes sensation. They love him in Stoke. Nathan Heaney, an English bantamweight champion. Uh, Liam Davies, who is certainly a character, let me tell you. But there's some huge names in that list. And one that sticks out for me, or a couple, is Akeem Ennis Brown and Sam Maxwell. They've got their British and Commonwealth super lightweight title fight coming up. And Sam Maxwell is the WBA European champion. So it's going to be a great night at boxing, Max. Both men unbeaten, a fight that has potential to lead to big things. Uh, after the press conference between uh, Akeem Ennis-Brown and Sam Maxwell, I caught up with Sam and here's what he had to say. Sam, all got a bit tasty there. Is it just a bit of a joke to him? Seems to think like I don't know. He thinks this is how his press conference is supposed to go, and and he's just trying to big himself up. And I think he's just trying to get himself known. He's not. He's unknown really. Even though he's a champ, he's a, he's not got a big following because of what kind of person he is, to be honest. And uh, yeah, so I think that was a bit of part of it. You look particularly unimpressed with the way he carried himself. No, I suppose exactly. Yeah, he's, he's supposed to be a champion and have a bit of class, but he's got none of it. Like none of it. Can you just use that to rile you up even more? Definitely add a bit of fuel to the fire and uh, just keep push me a bit that extra bit in training because I'm not losing to someone like that. I'm not losing to someone like that. And um, we spoke about what he's been doing on social media and making things personal. Uh, how does that sit with you? Yeah, just uh, it's just my, my coach just said me don't let, he's just trying to get in my head. He's, he wants it to get in my head, but so I, I I know that. So yeah, I'm not letting it. I'm just just letting it go. Breeze past and then we'll see on fight night if he wants to do the talk and then once I miss him. Arguably, you got in his head. He, he, yeah, he, that's he, what, yeah, that's how I feel. I think I won that. Like I definitely got in his head. He got heated. He um, he got frustrated. So yeah. And in the heat of the moment there, it all got a bit tense. On fight night, I think we can expect a great fight just going off that. Yeah, definitely. We're both going to bring it and, um, yeah, tune in. What can, what can we expect technically from you? You're going to be, yeah, just what I've been working on in the gym, I'm feeling good, feeling fast, sharp. Uh, everything's, gone to pl- everything's gone perfect in camp and I'm just excited now. And you, you set yourself top 10 in the world. I mean, what's the message to the fans? And it's going to be a cracking British fight. Yeah, it's going to be a cracking British fight. Uh, I can't wait to win that uh, Lonsdale belt and the Commonwealth as well. Both off of grabs and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Sam Maxwell there catching up with me after the Night of Champions presser. And like I said, it did get a bit tasty in the first question to Sam. Uh, was about how it did get a bit of taste. I think I used that exact word, tasty, because uh, Sam Maxwell and Akeem Ennis-Brown, not the best of friends, Akeem Ennis-Brown. I don't think he's particularly eloquent when he speaks about Sam Maxwell. I don't think Sam Maxwell appreciates that very much. But uh, that was the interview with Sam, and he's obviously very confident, Max, that he's going to win those belts off Akeem, who currently holds the British and Commonwealth super lightweight titles. Do you think he could do it? He's a WBA European champion. He's in the top 10 in the world. Yeah, it's... Mate, it's anyone's game. You look at their records, you look at where they are in their careers. Sam Maxwell, a bit more experience, got that amateur pedigree. Um, fought Lomachenko twice, by the way. Mm. Little little fun fact. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know when you when you look at their records and, and you look at their accomplishments, it really is a is a fifty fifty fight. And although you know Frank Warren doesn't necessarily put on these uh, great you know, beaming, flashy, does own fight camps like Eddie Hearn does, but he does have some real juicy domestic fights. And I can really appreciate that. You know, people like me and you can really appreciate the uh, 50-50 domestic ones I puts up. Sometimes, you know, they're a little, they're a little uh, mismatched, but, you know, you, you get that in any promotion. So these fights, I'm, I'm really grateful uh, that he puts on because they are, they are great to watch. And Maxwell versus Ennis Brown, will be great to watch. I'm looking forward to it. I've been following been following Maxwell for quite a while, actually, um, as I watched uh, with you, actually, one of his uh, conferences a couple of years ago when, when he fought Conor Parker, uh, Derby's own Conor Parker, 
with and finished him off with a lethal combo, by the way. Maxwell versus Parker, the finish, because that shows you what Maxwell is capable of, and that's what he will be taking into the fight against Ennis Brown. It, it'll be a great watch, so you, you guys have to watch out for that one. Um, and, yeah, I just feel like, you know, Sam Maxwell, as I said, he's got that amateur pedigree. Um, he's got a viral knockout as well, you know, in, in this fight where he was struggling uh, for however many rounds he was losing on the scorecards and just pulled out a one-punch knockout out of nowhere. Like, this guy has it all. He's He was bringing us loads of laughs. If you follow his Instagram, uh, last year through lockdown, he turned into a comedian uh, through some time and, and he was great. So this this man does it all, You really. And as you would have found out when you interviewed him, you know, he's a great character uh, in and outside of the ring. So, yeah, it'll be fun to watch. I just feel like what he's been needing for some time and what he's getting with Ennis Brown is the the pedigree of opponent, the, the caliber of opponent. And I feel like finally he's kind of moving up that level now. And as you said, this is a door opener. The, you know, the winner of this uh, can go on to even bigger names. So it, it truly is a, a real door opener for the winner of this one. And they can start chasing, uh, you know, the continental titles, the other titles that are higher up the chain. You know, maybe until they get to a world title fight, you never know. And he's a he's a really lovely guy as well. And you made a good point at the start with the difference between Matchroom and Queensbury Pressers. And as we've seen over the last decade, I suppose, Eddie Hearn has completely changed the boxing landscape. It makes every event one for the cameras. And perhaps it's understandable because of that, that people have their perceptions. All I can say is that I thoroughly enjoy being among Frank's boys and speaking with them after events. Everyone was friendly. Uh, the media guys, they couldn't have done enough. They, they went out of their way and they were so helpful. And the talent on display as well. Okay, you know, they're, they're not Hollywood names, but it was unreal. The, the talent in the building, the talent that Frank Warren has, it's huge. Let's look ahead to this weekend now. Not a lot of boxing, but Manny Pacquiao returns to challenge your Dennis Ugas for the WBA Super Welterweight belt in Las Vegas, live on Sky Sports from 2 a.m. Uh, on Sunday morning. Now, Pacquiao had claimed the same WBA title, of course, uh, with a points win over Keith, over Keith Terman in 2019. The governing body stripped him of the belt due to inactivity, and that elevated the Ugas to being super champion. I don't think we'll be seeing a stoppage match, but at 42 years old, he's still going Manny Pacquiao, and he'll put on a show like he always does. He is timeless, isn't he? He is absolutely timeless, this man, and you can't not love him. Although, you know, there's being a Mayweather fan, I know how uh, how distasteful fellow Mayweather fans can be of Manny Pacquiao. But look, come on now. When you take away the bias uh, that people have for Floyd and you just look at this man, what he's accomplished in his career, what he's still doing to this day. Do you know what I mean? You, it's just a shame that, well, I say it's a shame. This fight versus you guys will, will be a cracker. You know, if, if you've seen any of Ugas's fights, oh, my God, this, this man is electric. He brings the entertainment. He had a slugfest with Sean Porter. He's, he's had other slugfests through his career. Sean Porter one was really close, by the way. I see people saying that um, Ugas got robbed in that. I, don't, don't, I wouldn't go that far. But he has really close decisions with top-notch people. Like, Ugas is a world-class welterweight, and he will show that against Pacquiao. He has everything to fight for in this fight, but so does Pacquiao as well. He's not trying to give anything up. He's not trying to lose. You know, if he loses, what's he going to do then? Because these are, I think he's got about one or two fights left in his career. So he has to pull out all of the stops. The only thing I am sad about 
of this fight is that it's not against Errol Spence like it was scheduled for. It's meant to be Pacquiao Spence on the 21st. It's my birthday weekend coming up. Uh, and I was like, oh, yes, that is the best that is the best birthday present I can ever ask for. And then, of course, Spence has to go and get, get his eye damaged. And the doctors tell him to, you know, sit this fight out and wait for the recovery. So it is a massive shame. But it is a consolation that um, you guys can come in. And, you know, it's, it's still nice to see that. Uh, Pacquiao will be fighting. It's you know not all is lost, uh, but Spence is, and, and it was going to be a, a really juicy fight. That, but Pacquiao Ugas will be a cracker, and it's it's for a title. Obviously, I think you know the past however many times uh, Pacquiao's last fought has been for the uh, title. So yeah, it, it's going to be really entertaining. Two guys with different styles. We'll see how much Pacquiao slowed down these past couple these past couple years now, especially with his inactivity. We really will see how much. Um, it has cost him, and if it has cost him at all, because as I said, he's been timeless these last few years. I just don't want him to go out like a Roy Jones or like another fighter that's you know kind of taking it too far in their career that hasn't called it quits when they should have done. Because it, it will be sad to go out like that. As I said, I got nothing but respect for Pacquiao, so it will be tragic to you know see if it really has affected him and Ugas walked over him because it will be shocking and upsetting. So hopefully, you know, it's seen consideration. I think you guys shouldn't be overlooked for this one. And uh, yeah, we, we might get a new champion. Well, there you go. Pacquiao versus Ugas on Max's birthday weekend. Not on his birthday itself, but I think the birthday weekend, he'll take that. And j- just one more oh, on Pacquiao. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Freddie Roach is teasing that if Pacquiao beats Ugas on Saturday night, Sunday morning, then we might have a Mayweather rematch on our hands. Do you think it's a bit, I don't know. I, I look at it and think, one, does anyone really, does anyone really want to see that? Two guys going at it like that? I don't know. But I, I also think, why are we looking ahead that far when realistically we know something like that probably won't happen? Yeah, I think Freddie Roach just likes the, uh, likes to drop in the, the clickbait titles and get everyone excited for no reason because it look it seems really unrealistic. I know both of those guys are get, will still want to get it after this fight we'll still want to get in the ring and fight uh you know fight somebody maybe not each other but we'll want to fight i think pacquiao still would be happy to do it because obviously unfinished business uh, against mayweather because he lost but i i just can't see it happening and yeah everyone's gonna call it you know everyone's gonna clown it and say it's stupid why are we having this you know, six years after the first one, they were too old in the first one anyway. But the same people saying that will be the same ones watching Fight Night. Trust me, I'm used to this. It happens every time Mayweather fights. He gets clowned for it and then everybody tunes in. Do you know what I mean? Like That's how he makes his money. Got what? The, the, it, it really is. Like the top three or top five best pay-per-view events are the two most highly clowned Mayweather fights versus McGregor and versus Pacquiao. Okay, you take out the exhibitions against Logan Paul, obviously that was clowned much more than the Pacquiao fight, but the the real fights, the real professional fights, uh, are one of the highest selling pay-per-view fights ever. So they will watch it again. Trust me, they will. Uh, but I just I just don't want to see it happen, to be honest. Like I feel like that's done. Leave it in the past. Uh, let Pacquiao now still fight in the pros. Uh, respect him for doing that and not retiring. Um, like Mayweather has done, obviously, he, he can do, you know, he can retire tomorrow and I'll say, do you know what, fair enough. Like, you've had a crazy, crazy career, but that shows you the warrior uh, and the fighter in his heart, how he still wants to continue and, and go on with it. So, respect to him and I can't wait to see him show out on Saturday night. 
No, it's going to be a good fight. And listen, you've got a good weekend ahead, a good birthday weekend ahead with Liverpool uh, facing Burnley, a team very beatable uh, with the squad you've got and the momentum. It looks like you could be building, but that's about it from the Middleman podcast. A big guest could well be featuring on our next one, but we'll have to wait and see. Let's not let's not reveal any names, Max, but just keep your eyes peeled, guys, because big things to come from the middlemen. Okay, yeah, we, we won't we won't say his name, but we will we'll drop a little clue, shall we? He's, he's British and he's just won a world title. And that leaves to me, if someone was to tell me that that leaves two options, and trust me, he's one of the two. So yeah, um, in the coming episodes, hopefully it is next week. Um, if not, it will be in the future. You know, uh, this this guy's been in contact with us. So he, he really uh, is looking to get on here. And we can't wait to have him. So stay tuned for that, guys. And thank you for joining us this week. We will be back.